This is the Return to Order Moment with Edwin Benson. Bringing you insights, analysis, and information for a culture in crisis. 2022 in review. A civil war in the Catholic Church and a shooting war in Europe reveal unprecedented ideological confrontations. Part 2. Thank you for joining the Return to Order Moment as we continue to look at the year just passed. In our last episode, we discussed two major areas of concern for Orthodox Catholics, the so-called Synodel Path and the aggression of Vladimir Putin against Ukraine. This week, we look at other issues that are equally urgent. We hope to inspire you, our listeners, to pursue two courses of action. First and foremost, pray. Pray for all those involved in or affected by these issues. Especially, we urge you to follow our Lord's command that we pray for our enemies. At the same time, we urge you to become informed about these issues and take action. Our website, www.returnorder.org, is an excellent place to begin. There you will find analysis that is unavailable from any other source. Then we ask you to spread the word to friends, co-workers, and members of your parish. And now, we continue to bring you Mr. James Bascom's analysis of the tumultuous events of 2022. Part 3 LGBT Revolution in the Church The LGBT revolution in the Catholic Church, led by Pope Francis, made a great leap forward in 2022. In January, he wrote a handwritten letter to Sister Janine Gramic, the co-founder of New Ways Ministries and one of the movement's most important leaders to normalize homosexuality in the Church. Quote, I am thinking of your 50 years of ministry, which were 50 years with this style of God, 50 years of closeness, of compassion and tenderness. Thank you, Sister Janine, for all your closeness, compassion, and tenderness. In May, Father James Martin, S.J., who is perhaps the most notorious promoter of homosexual acceptance in the Church, sent a letter with questions about practicing LGBT Catholics to Pope Francis, who responded with a note saying that, quote, God is Father and He does not disown any of His children, unquote. In August, Pope Francis praised Father Martin for promoting, quote, the culture of encounter, Continue in this way, being close, compassionate, and full of tenderness, unquote. As if that weren't enough, Pope Francis met with Father Martin in person at the Vatican for 45 minutes in November. Quote, It was a warm, inspiring, and encouraging meeting that I'll never forget, Father Martin tweeted. Meanwhile, The bishops of Flanders in Belgium became the first in the world to establish a liturgical service to bless so-called same-sex unions. Led by Cardinal Josef de Kessel, Archbishop of Brussels, they published a document titled Being Pastorally Close to Homosexual Persons which allows homosexual couples to, quote, express before God how they are committed to one another, unquote. Although it directly contradicts the Vatican's directive last year against such blessings, the director of the Flemish Bishop's LGBT Outreach Project, Willy Bombeek, 
said that this work is the spirit of our Pope. When the same Belgian bishops made their ad limina visit to Pope Francis in November, no mention was made of the controversy, which many saw as tacit approval. Yet clergy who preached the Church's traditional doctrine on homosexual sin are ruthlessly persecuted. In Ireland, Bishop Ray Brown of Kerry silenced and removed one of his priests, Father Sean Sheehy, for giving a sermon against homosexuality and abortion. The bishop went on Irish radio to issue a public apology for the, quote, deep upset and hurt, unquote, caused by the priest. Quote, the views expressed do not represent the Catholic position, he said. Part 4. Pope Francis Promotes Indigenism in Canada One of Pope Francis's most important trips this year was to Canada. Last year, the Canadian left launched a media uproar against the Catholic Church regarding alleged crimes committed against the Canadian Indians by religious schools, many of which were run by the Catholic Church. Although accusations of mass graves and rampant abuse of children are mostly baseless, the affair served as a valuable opportunity to push the same indigenous theology that was on full display in 2019 in Rome at the Pan-Amazon Synod. Francis called his July trip to Canada a penitential pilgrimage. The church, he said, had, quote, contributed to the politics of cultural assimilation that in the past have severely harmed indigenous communities, unquote. He also called the attempts to assimilate the Indians into Western civilization a, quote, unquote, disastrous error. Vatican spokesman Andrea Tornielli wrote that Pope Francis's main message is a, quote, Request for forgiveness for the disasters wrought by the colonial mentality that sought to eradicate traditional cultures that had imposed their own cultural models. With shame and unambiguously, he declared, I humbly beg forgiveness for the evil committed by so many Christians against the indigenous peoples. Unquote. Echoing the Pacamama ceremony in the Vatican during the Pan-Amazon Synod, Pope Francis in Canada also participated in an Indian smudging ceremony, a syncretistic blessing rooted in pre-Christian Indian paganism. Part 5. Vatican's Concessions to China Since 2018, the Vatican established a secret two-year agreement with the Chinese Communist Party, CCP, that gives the latter the power to select bishops in exchange for nominal yet largely symbolic recognition of the Vatican's authority over the Chinese Catholic Church. The agreement was renewed in 2020 and came up for renewal again this year. After four years, many observers recognized that the agreement gave nothing to the Catholic Church and served to boost the CCP's goal to sinicize all foreign institutions. Chinese President Xi Jinping has declared that, quote, 
We shall lead all religions to adapt to our socialist society. Unquote. In an interview with The Spectator, Cardinal George Pell said, quote, I don't think we've gained anything with the agreement. Yet the Vatican's Secretary of State, Cardinal Pietro Perolin, vowed to continue working together with the CCP. Quote, We are trying to resume the dialogue concretely, with meetings that we hope will occur soon. Unquote. However, he acknowledged the need to, quote, make clarifications or review some points. Meanwhile, Cardinal Joseph Zen, former Archbishop of Hong Kong, was arrested in May by the Chinese government for supporting the Hong Kong street protest movement against the CCP. His trial began in September, and in November he was found guilty of having violated a Beijing-imposed national security law. Although Cardinal Zen was only fined and did not face jail time, his case represents a great leap forward of the CCP, dictatorship over the territory, and a willingness to persecute the Catholic Church directly. Shockingly, the Vatican has remained mostly silent on Cardinal Zen's arrest and trial. At his regular public audience on May 22nd, Pope Francis asked the faithful to pray for Catholics in China without mentioning Cardinal Zen or his arrest. Although Cardinal Zen has said that Vatican officials had good intentions, he called the new Ostpolitik with China unwise and a betrayal. Cardinal Jean-Claude Hollerich of Luxembourg attacked Cardinal Zen as, quote, controversial in mainland China, unquote, and said that he is making life difficult for underground church members. On the return plane trip from Kazakhstan, Pope Francis addressed the issue of China, saying that, quote, there is a dialogue commission that is going well, unquote, and that he disagrees with qualifying China as undemocratic. Quote, Cardinal Zen is going to trial these days, I think, and he says what he feels, and you can see that there are limitations there. With China... We need the patience of dialogue, unquote. On October 22nd, the Vatican announced the renewal of its secret accord with Beijing. Although only six new Catholic bishops have been installed after four years under the agreement, and more than 30 Chinese dioceses currently have no bishop, Pope Francis said that, quote, the agreement is going well. Part 6. Pope Francis's War on Traditional Catholicism Unlike Communist China, Pope Francis has had nothing but harsh condemnation for Catholics faithful to the traditional Mass. In 2022, he continued his strong attacks against traditionalists. In a speech to seminarians in February, Pope Francis said that Catholics should not, quote, cultivate nostalgia for the past and close ourselves to the newness of the Spirit, unquote. He ordered all traditionalist priests to celebrate a Novus Ordo Chrism Mass with the local bishop. 
In May, he denounced, quote, the temptation to liturgical formalism, which is a banner of division that comes from the devil, the deceiver, unquote. His language became even starker at an event on June 1st. Quote, I consider it dangerous that instead of drawing from the roots in order to move forward, meaning fine traditions, we step back, not going up or down, but backwards. Those people call themselves guardians of tradition, but of dead traditions, unquote. Two weeks later, in an interview with La Civilca Católica, he attacked traditionalist groups in the church, especially in the United States, that seek a restoration and who want to, quote, gag the Second Vatican Council, unquote. He attacked traditionalism during his trip to Canada, where he said, work against healing and reconciliation. Someone once said that tradition is the living memory of believers. Traditionalism, instead, is the dead life of our believers. Tradition is the life of those who have gone before us and who go on. Traditionalism is their dead memory. Unquote. Yet even the New York Times, in an article about the Latin Mass in the United States, was forced to admit that it is, quote, experiencing a revival in the United States, unquote, and is thriving despite Pope Francis's objections. Part 7. The United States, Abortion, the Catholic Left, and a Divided Country. The pro-life cause in the United States had the biggest victory in 50 years when the Supreme Court, in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, issued on June 24th the Feast of the Sacred Heart, overrode the 1973 Roe v. Wade decision that imposed legal abortion on the country. Now each state is free to regulate abortion as it sees fit. A large number of conservative states, such as Texas, Oklahoma, and Louisiana, completely banned abortion, while leftist states such as California and New York made themselves into so-called abortion sanctuaries. At the same time, five state-level plebiscites to restrict or expand abortion access were won by the pro-abortion side by large margins illustrating the deep division in the country over the issue. With a pro-abortion Catholic president, the issue of Holy Communion for pro-abortion politicians became even hotter this year. Archbishop Salvatore Cordiglione of San Francisco, the home city of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, announced that she could no longer present herself for communion in his diocese. In response... Cardinal Wilton Gregory, Archbishop of Washington, D.C., announced that he would never deny communion to anyone in his archdiocese. In June, Nancy Pelosi traveled to Rome, where she received Holy Communion at a Mass in the Vatican in the presence of Pope Francis, a clear show of support for the pro-abortion Catholic. At the August Consistory, Pope Francis elevated Bishop Robert McElroy of San Diego, California, 
perhaps the leading cleric of the Catholic left and the biggest opponent of denying communion to pro-abortion Catholics to the cardinalate. In November, the United States had its midterm elections for the House of Representatives and the Senate. Although the Republicans were favored to win by large majorities, they won only a very small three-seat majority in the House and even lost a seat in the Senate. Reasons for this include poor candidates and the inability of many Republican candidates to give a positive message other than accusations of election fraud in the 2020 election. However, An important reason is that the country is divided by two equally motivated blocks, one conservative and one leftist, polarized as never before. Part 8. European Politics France held its presidential election in April. In the first round, centrist President Emmanuel Macron won the highest share of the vote, but lost ground to populist parties on the right and left compared to 2017. In the second round, he ran against the right-wing populist Marine Le Pen, winning 58.5% to her 41.5%, which was the highest ever score for a right-wing candidate. The election represented a growing discontent with the French political establishment and a growing fear over Islamic immigration and cultural disintegration. Italy also held an election in which the conservative anti-immigration Giorgia Meloni and her party, Brothers of Italy, won a large majority, making her prime minister. She was elected by the same wave of discontent in Italy against massive immigration from Muslim countries and unhappiness with the political establishment. The United Kingdom suffered a crisis when Prime Minister Boris Johnson was forced to resign on July 7th due to scandals. His successor, Liz Truss, launched an economic program that was highly unpopular, leading to her resignation a mere 49 days later, and making her tenure the shortest in British history. The centrist and uninspiring conservative MP Rishi Sunak succeeded her. If anything, the crisis displayed great political discontent in the UK, just as in the rest of Europe and the world. But perhaps the most symbolic event of the year in Europe was the death and funeral of Queen Elizabeth II. Her death occasioned an outpouring of grief from throughout the United Kingdom and all over the world. More than 250,000 people waited as long as 13 hours in the queue to see her lying in state in Westminster Hall. Her passing was the end of an era and an occasion of nostalgia for a lost world of tradition, honor, and stability, which are sorely lacking in our world today. Conclusion The year 2022 can be characterized by an immense and universal chaos. Institutions are crumbling, trust is disappearing, and the family is collapsing. Politics are polarized and dysfunctional. Doctrinal chaos has taken over the Catholic Church. Chaos has also entered minds, as seen in the spread of gender theory and the war on male and female. 
together with chaos, this year saw a rise in violence. The war in Ukraine is the bloodiest in Europe since World War II and shows no signs of ending anytime soon. Massive protests erupted worldwide in China, Iran, Brazil, and many others. Criminality has exploded across the Western world. There is also a rise in institutional violence within the Catholic Church, as progressives led by Pope Francis are waging war on traditionalists and orthodox morality. With the chaos and violence has come an immense suffering. Whether physical, economic, or moral, it spares no one. With this suffering comes a temptation to despair, as seen in the sharp rise of use of drugs and deaths by suicide. Yet, at the same time, there are flashes of hope. While small, the number of conversions to the Catholic faith is rising. Many non-Catholics are entering the Church, and many fallen-away Catholics are returning home. But perhaps most interesting is that a greater number of converts are embracing what Pope Francis calls a reactionary Catholicism. Many are converting directly to the traditional Latin Mass. They are questioning the liberal and socialist paradigms of the modern world and looking for the deeper causes of the crisis. More and more are open to monarchy and the social reign of Christ as the response to our dying civilization. There is small but growing interest in tradition, orthodoxy, and counter-revolutionary ideas in general, especially among the youth. In a world of absolute relativism, shallow materialism, and moral degeneracy— Young people are looking for rules, certainties, hierarchy, moral law, and infallibility, all of which can be found in the Catholic Church. And more people than ever, both Catholic and non-Catholic, see the crisis in religious terms. In short, the events of 2022 make the message of Our Lady of Fatima more relevant than ever. Her warnings about the errors of Russia and her predictions about wars and persecutions of the Church are being fulfilled before our eyes. It is impossible to deny that humanity today is experiencing one of the worst crises in history. But it is always in the worst of crises when God gives the greatest graces. Our Lady of Fatima appeared at the height of World War I, when humanity seemed to be on the verge of self-annihilation. Like 1917, the world today is living through a terrible and justly merited chastisement. Yet faithful Catholics must redouble their confidence in that prophetic declaration of the Mother of God. Finally, my Immaculate Heart Will Triumph. This concludes 2022 in Review, A Civil War in the Catholic Church and a Shooting War in Europe Reveal Unprecedented Ideological Confrontations. Thank you for listening. We hope that you gained valuable insights from this summary of the year just passed. Return to Order, of which this podcast is only a part, strives to be a source of light in a dark and disordered world. Your prayers are appreciated. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please remember that we publish a new episode every week as Tuesday becomes Wednesday at midnight. 
there are two ways to make sure you don't miss future episodes. The first way is to subscribe through your favorite podcast provider. Another is to go to our website, www.returntoorder.org, and click on the podcast link at the top of the page, which will take you to a list with the most recent podcast on top. We ask subscribers to give us a five-star rating with the service through which you are listening to it. Increased subscriptions and high ratings mean that more people will be directed to the Return to Order moment when searching for new podcasts. So by rating us, you can help Return to Order be more effective. In addition, subscribers gain access to all the previous episodes of the Return to Order moment. We would also like to recommend the book which spells out the motivations behind our work. Mr. John Horvat's book, Return to Order, is available as a free download through our website, www.returntoorder.org, or in printed and recorded form through our bookstore. All rights are reserved. Copyright 2023 by the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property. TFP.